I am a god, you dull creature! We are not doing Get Help. I have been falling for 30 minutes! I assure you, brother, the sun will shine on us again. I'm just a huge fan of the sport. Can't see into the future, another wish. No? Why'd you dress like one? I am Loki of Asgard. Puny God. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo, and I am joined. We got we got the boys back. We're all here, every single one of us. No one is out gallivanting anymore. Nope. Chris, Peaches, Robbie, we're all here. Gentlemen, what's going on? I feel like I'm the only one during Loki that didn't gallivant. That's and true. I, I feel so like far. I should... I should miss an episode just so that I can gallivant. Oh, but you you were able to gallivant with us uh, in person last week. That is true. Because we, because Angela and I decided to gallivant down there, and we actually, for the first time since before this podcast existed, we're all in the same place at the same time. Correct. And no we gallivanted the hell out of it. Yeah. Yeah, well, guess who just got back today? Them wild-eyed boys that been away. <laughs> What I was just saying that no one was getting married when we were together. That is true. That's usually yeah. what has to happen. Yeah. 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 That's the other thing. It was just because. Yeah. It was just for funsies. Yeah. Funsies. Uh, and today we're going to be talking all about episode four. But before we do any of that, we want to let you know that you can support this very show over at patreon.com slash assembly required. That is patreon.com slash assembly required. We just had a great uh, board game night with some of the patrons just the other night. We're going to be yeah. coming out with some details here in the next couple of weeks about our next community night. So keep your ears perked up for that one. And once again, if you are now any tier of patronage, you can join in on the events. doesn't matter what patronage tier, as long as you're a patron, you're welcome to come and join the events. Now, Chris, you weren't here for episode three. No, I wasn't. I mean, you were here, but you weren't here. What'd you yeah. think of it? I enjoyed it. Yeah, I you know I actually didn't get a chance to rewatch that episode either, and I really wanted to. It's just been a busy week, you know, getting back from Florida and all that, and we watched it at like five o'clock in the morning <laughs> because we had a flight. But I I enjoyed it. I I really am glad to see that. First of all, this show is a TV show, and I love that. And I actually did see, I think, that week that um, Michael Waldron, the head writer, like deliberately approached the show that way. And I was so glad to see them take advantage of this is a TV show. We're about halfway through our story. Now let's take some time to get to know Sylvie, our new character, and also get some depth with uh, the Loki that we already know. And, you know, I just, you know, I appreciated it. It was an interesting, like, change of pace from the previous episode and you knew that this episode was going to be bonkers too, because of it, that that was sort of like the calm before the storm. And it, after having seen this episode, I think I appreciate last week's even more now, but yeah, I was a plus. Um, yeah, I guess I, I didn't think of a rating for that one. So, oh, well, but good out of 10. <laughs> I have to ask you. Yeah. Because we were a little bit split last time. Obviously I was wrong on my theory, but I have to know. Did you consider it a stork or a nork? Not okay, whether or not it was right, but whether or not it was plausible. Um, nork is plausible, yeah? Yes. Oh, yeah, it was a nork. It was okay. absolutely a nork. And now nork is entered into canon because two people have said it. Right. I 
I don't think that it's out of the running still, Robbie. I think there's enough going on that is funky cuckoo bananas in this okay, show. That that is this, is the this, man just took, this man just took my surveillance stork from me. <laughs> no, that's the thing. It wasn't a surveillance stork when you said it last week. It is when he says it this week. No. <laughs> I'm saying that things are still possible because this show is wild. That's all. I'm allowed to be wrong about things, even though clearly I never am in this show. It is tough being right all the time in this one, guys. Oh, I am, the, I like, I have the whole team on my back here. I will say I'm not prepared to say anything is wrong about this show yet. Nope, not really. Not enough Natalie Holt. Mm. So once it. again, this week we're going to be talking all about Loki episode four, the Nexus event. That's written by Aaron Martin, and it is directed once again by Kate Heron. So in a flashback on Asgard, a young girl plays with toys in the palace, pretending a Valkyrie swoops in to defeat a dragon and save Asgard. As she plays, TVA Minutemen Ravenna? 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 Ravana. Ravona. We've all said different things. It's like my Sharona, but Ravona. Ravona Renslayer walks through a time door and identifies the young girl as a variant. The TVA takes her into custody and leaves behind a reset charge to wipe out Asgard. The young girl goes through the same screening process we saw Loki push through in episode one, but when brought in front of a judge, she bites Renslayer, takes her temp pad, and uses it to disappear through a time door. In the current day, Renslayer's anxiety reflects on allowing the girl to escape before stepping into a misty cave in the presence of the timekeepers. So, after this episode, I had a thought. And the thought was... Anything that I think right now is probably just going to end up being wrong because <laughs> the the show was very clever in the way that it did this. But in the very first episode, they're like, all right, everyone, to get you up to speed, we're going to establish all of these rules. And I think what they are doing is being like, by the way, all of those rules, we were lying. None of those rules are actually the real rules. And you're not actually, <laughs> it's not happening. What you It's flux. Do. It's flux. I can tie this back to board game night with the Patreons. <laughs> yeah. Flux. Oh, That's wow. exactly what it is. Damn. That's crazy. We started off and they were like, all right, it's draw two, play one. And you find out everybody else has been playing three and drawing none. Yeah. If you have the brain and there's no TV on the table, you win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that there is a lot to this that is, that it hasn't been hasn't been said yet and a lot because we keep trying to be like well if the way that they said it is like this then how does this make sense if the lokis are all supposed to you know be the same loki why do they all look different if all of these things are supposed to be part of these rules why is everything so different and i think it's because the rules are not exactly what we've been told they are like they yeah, are it's, actually it's, it's not different. straightforward right exactly and that's that's got to be the only way to explain what's coming up next, other than bad writing. Bad writing is the other way to explain it, and I don't right. think that's where we're heading. Right. Nope. So, no. Yeah. I, I, again, going back to interviews, Michael Waldron said they sat down and they thought out, like, what are the rules of time travel for our show? Like, they, they said they worked really hard to make it as airtight as you can make something that can never be, you know, can never 100% right. make sense, but they... Sounds like they really put a lot of thought into trying to make it that when it's all done, nothing is going to feel like it broke a rule. The internal logic of the story will right will be fine. Yeah, honestly, Eduardo, I had that exact same thought at the end of this episode. It's well, that was really entertaining. I'm not going to try and guess anything anymore because it is a useless. I kind of 
I really like that though because yes, no, 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 that's a good thing. Oh, yeah, I know you do. Yeah. I know you do. I just want I want mm-hmm. the listeners to know that like I think we're all on the same page of I like that because it just keeps us guessing. Like there's always something fresh to talk about or to ponder or to think about. Like it, there's always content for us to try to puzzle. And yeah, you might not want to try it because they might just change the rules on you next week, but you know, you put enough monkeys in a room with a typewriter, blah, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I still think it's fun and interesting. And I like, I like never really knowing. Yeah. I, I'll say that a conversation that I had with, uh, Cat, my wife, afterwards, is she actually... Cat, comma, my wife. Yes, my wife. My wife. Um, she actually did not like so much because she doesn't enjoy... She just doesn't enjoy surprises and she doesn't enjoy the, the way that we do. So she's actually not liking this show as much. Not so much she thinks it's a bad show, but from a subjective standpoint, she is not enjoying how much she's in the dark on this. Whereas I'm genuinely loving being completely confused yes. so maybe when it's all said and done if she goes yeah, back maybe. and watches yes. it she might like it better yeah. well yeah, you've mentioned possibly. before several times that she mm-hmm. is like the ultimate plot guesser yep. so and if she... you cannot guess the plot then you probably aren't a fan yep. that, <laughs> so I am her. also enjoying that like I love her but I'm enjoying her being in the dark <laughs> <laughs> a nice change of pace for you right yes it is <laughs> after the title card Agent Mobius finds Rensler oh, after her meeting I'm supposed to interrupt you. I don't know. I'm sure Robbie didn't put that in the notes because I was supposed to do it. Yeah, hey, I got a job. I I got to tell you something. I don't have a lot to say about this, or I would have I would have written it as an entire point. But you mentioned briefly when Ravona goes and checks out the time the the timekeepers, and we're like, oh, they're real, right? I have just a thing that I noticed, and I want to see if you guys notice this. So when we go into that room. Ravona goes in there. It's like very smoky. You see the timekeepers. There's it feels like very synth wavy, right? Because you've got like the smoke and the neon like light behind them. If you look a little closer at the neon light, it looks like a like an Asgardian uh, character of some sort. And it's on the back wall, and it's a deep red. And if you look to the left and right, when the camera sort of widens, there are also on the left and right of the timekeepers these red neon symbols we learned in a previous show that we're not allowed to compare to that when uh witches put symbols on walls it stops other people from casting magic and the tva is a place where other magic can't be cast so i'm curious if maybe somebody with some witchy powers and i'm not saying anyone specific but I'm curious if there is one person, maybe whoever is pulling the strings, that can do magic in the TVA, and it's whoever maybe puts some runes in the Timekeeper room. That would make sense because we hmm. don't have an internal logic reason yet for why Loki can't do things in the TVA. Right. Why would and magic so... not be cool there, but maybe it is for one person who has ruined the building. Right. So I'm not going as far as saying, oh yeah, that's definitely what's happening, but I definitely think that's a Nork. Hey, my first Nork. <laughs> Just kidding. That's not my first Nork. I've been formulating my theory since we started this episode. Since we, we got on here and I went through and I rewatched the episode. And my theory maybe goes in with that, but I don't know yet. Yeah. Okay. But I is guess I'll save it for later. No, I think I'll just talk about it now. So my theory okay. is that this show is all about Loki, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think the villain of this show is still Loki. 
I think there is a third version of Loki who has actually been pulling the strings the whole time. And the reason Lokis are the ones getting chopped out are not because that they are moving timelines, because they are threats to his kingdom, King Loki, the 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 the, the ruler of yeah. everything. Oh, yeah, that's I'll, really uh, smart. I'll throw out the point I was going to make later then, which, 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 which was exactly that. Was it? <laughs> That's really smart, though. Right. I mean, they keep showing us these new Lokis, and like, how right. fun would it be if the villain was also in right. another This Loki. is a show about Loki and Loki's self-interest. Wouldn't the, the main villain be Loki? Like, wouldn't that be cool? Well, Soundlord, doesn't that tie into one of the stories you mentioned in the first yeah, episode? Yeah, the of A- uh, Loki agent of Asgard uh, is all about you've got Loki trying to do good, and it turns out he's a pawn in... King Loki's plan, and King Loki has been hopping around through time, setting up things to create the ideal future that he wants. Like it's, I mean, yeah. oh boy, yeah. Well, Angela, we Angela said the, the same thing too, so um, so <laughs> I, 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 I wanted to make sure I shouted her out that she also had this idea that Loki is that there's a different Loki behind it all. We we just earned two weeks of vacation. We don't have to come back for episode <laughs> five or six. We just take it easy. Yeah, Black Widow comes out next week. We'll just watch that instead. Yeah, I'm not prepared at all to pretend I know where things are going, but that is incredibly plausible. Yeah, it that feels right. Yeah. I, I have a lot of things that I'm going to be saying later. Some of my points that are that not not just about it possibly being a Loki, but just kind of what I think about the TVA as a whole right now. Uh, so I'll hold off on that for now. But but yes, a, a, a thing that makes a lot of sense is that there's another Loki who is uh, working on all this. Yep. Which kind of ties into my point of why the time travel rules don't work the way we think they're supposed to. And it's because they're not working the way we think they're supposed to. They're, they're, the objective is different than what we've been told. Right. Mm-hmm. We're not curating one timeline. We are curating one intended outcome. Right. Yes. Uh, let me read you exactly the phrase I put in my notes. Um, there's, uh, it's not so much a sacred timeline as optimal, optimal for me timeline. And I'll prune anyone who might get in my way. Right. Uh, which it goes back to that line in the first episode, which I think we even called out as being suspicious on, on our podcast was when Loki is talking about, Oh, so that's, that's fine. But, but this is bad. And Moby's like, oh, it's not really about good or bad. It's, well, never mind. And I think that's that was to show a couple things. One, that Moby doesn't think too much about it. He's a true believer in mm-hmm. the TVA. And now he's having his faith shaken, which is interesting. Um, which I called, but I know that wasn't really a hot take. <laughs> and um, and I think it was to make us question, you know, what, what, are, what are these guys really all about? What is it? Like who who died and put them in charge and all of that? Who died and made you king, Loki? Perhaps. Quizás. <laughs> after the title card, Agent Mobius finds Renslayer after her meeting with the Timekeepers. Mobius presses Renslayer about his need to speak with Minuteman C twenty to find out what she meant when she was repeating "It's real," but Renslayer refuses. After more pressing, Renslayer tells Mobius C20 is dead after her mind collapsed following Sylvie's enchantment. The second she said C20 was dead, I turned to my wife and I was like, no, she's not. Nope. Yep. Or yep. it was Same like, thing. she's lying. Like, maybe yes. she's dead, but she, this woman is lying. Like, she's not yeah. the truth. It's yeah, like, I if she's it. dead, it's because she killed her. Right. Right. Cat <laughs> and I paused it and it's like, okay, is she lying? 
and she's not dead or is she lying and she killed her? Because it's one of those two. Right. Yep. Yep. The destruction of Lamentus One continues, and Loki's go- and Loki goes to sit with a distraught Sylvie and apologize over messing up their chance of escaping. Sylvie admits she remembers small bits of Asgard. She says the universe manifests chaos, like her being born as the goddess of mischief. And as soon as her existence created enough of a detour from the sacred timeline, the TVA showed up and abducted her. After stealing Renslayer's Tempad, she spent her life on the run through time, with the TVA constantly fighting her due to her setting off Nexus energy, until Sylvie finally learned she could hide in apocalypses. Okay. That makes sense, sure, now, but it's going to get confusing here in a sec. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the TVA, an unusually emotional B-15 stresses the need to find the variants to Mobius as they watch for blips on the timeline. This was cool in hindsight to realize, because it plays at the time, like, oh, B-15, she just really wants to stop Loki. And when you watch in hindsight, it's like, no, she really wants to get to Sylvie again right. to find mm-hmm. out what's going on. On Lamentus One, Sylvie asks if what makes a Loki Loki is that we're destined to lose. Loki insists what matters is that they survive and tells Sylvie she's amazing for her avoidance of the TVA. Aww. Is is that her admitting she's a Loki? Like do we is that like if she says if what makes a Loki Loki is that it, we're destined to lose? Is that her saying I yeah, am a Loki? I, yeah, she's yes. finally saying that she's a Loki. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I'm shrugging over here. I you know, it could go either way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Stork boy. As he does, <laughs> Sylvie puts her hand on Loki's oh. arm, creating a sharp new divergence on the sacred timeline reader. Realizing it must be the Loki, the TVA arrives on Lamentus One just as it begins to collapse, apprehending both variants. There's a new Nexus event, but they're in an apocalypse. How? Why? <sighs> um, so, we kind of already discussed on this. I feel like this is going to be explained. But I'm having a lot of trouble understanding how this is a Nexus event because, like, just what you said, they're about to be wiped out. So why does them finding affection for one another matter to the sacred timeline in any way whatsoever? And part of why I'm bringing it up is I was thinking that I wonder if the other three will have anything to say about this. And then I read all y'all's notes and realized, yes, the other three have things to say about this. I don't have to try. I thought I might have to, like, prompt it from you guys. Hey, what do you think about this? And then realized I don't. But... (laughs) I, yeah, so you already said some things that make me, before, that make me think I, I kind of understand where they're going. And it's not, I watch this and I think, well, they're breaking their own internal logic. This is a deus ex machina. Why does this matter? Because the rules we set forth in episode two mean this isn't a nexus event. They're just going to get wiped out. But I think your point of the rules aren't real is, I think, important. And... I'm willing just to wait and see what's going to happen here and willing to wait and be patient and find out, okay, this will be explained. Why this is a Nexus event, even though they were going to die in two seconds, will be explained. I, I currently don't understand it. I'm currently a little confused, but I think I'm supposed to be, and that's the way the show wants me to be, and not just accept what would be inconsistent logic if it's not explained. Um, but I know I'm not the only one that had something about this. So sound lord, alleviate my confusion. So so for me, I think what it is, it's, it's this moment right here is when Loki slash Sylvie, um, I'm going to say mostly Loki, but he, he gets Sylvie to this point as well. Uh, it's when they realize that 
they can be whatever they want to be. And this is a big theme. And I talked about this in our first episode, and I I think I brought it up uh, since then as well. Uh, One of the themes of of Agent of Asgard, it's the one I keep going back to. Agent of Asgard is, I feel like, a pretty important one. Uh, just for like what it's done for Loki in the comics for the modern day. And a big part of that story, and really this even goes back even further to the kid Loki stuff, which I think is going to very clearly uh, be important as well. Uh, But kid Loki's whole thing. And then in Asian Asgard, Loki kind of continues this, even though it's not technically the same Loki because of weird comic stuff. Um, it's Loki trying to find his place in a universe that thinks it knows what Loki is. And a universe that, as far as other people are concerned, Loki is this. He's the god of mischief, he's the god of lies, he's the god of evil, whatever you want to call it. And that is just what he is. And if he's not that, then he's not Loki. And he can change, but he's just going to change back because that's how it's always got to be. And Loki fights back against that. And I think that's what we're seeing here. Uh, Again, this Loki is coming off of his lowest point, his his loss to the Avengers. And when he had already, I think, I think it's safe to say that when he went to go work for Thanos, he's debasing himself there because he wants to rule. And, And Thor even calls him out on that in Avengers saying, you know, who is, you know, who would control the would be king? And, you know, that's not Loki's first choice. And then Loki probably thought he had plans to to get the better of Thanos eventually. But still, he never got the chance because the Avengers beat him. So he is at his lowest point. And ironically, by stepping off of his timeline and getting to see what his future would have been, he now has a chance to reevaluate in a way that he wouldn't for many years on the quote-unquote sacred timeline in the in the mainstream mcu and he's realizing now that you know he dies a hero's death in infinity war and it's you know he gets to be a hero but only in his last moments and now i think he's starting to see that you know he he doesn't have to be boxed into this idea of um um of just being the bad guy and there's no reason that he can't be something more than that. And when he and Sylvie are feeling like they're about to die, they, they have this realization that they can be more than that. And here's where I'm going to get a little timey-wimey here, is that them realizing that makes them a huge threat to whatever's controlling the TVA, whether it's King Loki from the future or some other being. And I think we're getting a situation where the time travelers have in trying to prevent something from happening, made it happen. Because them coming to this realization makes them a threat. And that makes them a Nexus event, even though they're about to die. And the only way that would actually be a Nexus event is if they went and saved them from Lamentus blowing up. So it's a Nexus event, not because... Not just because they, they've realized this, because but because them realizing it alerted it to the TVA, which makes the TVA go to get them. If the TVA had just said, we're just going to sit this one out and let the world end, let the planet kill them, and that branch would have been clipped. They made that branch by going to go get them because they had to destroy them themselves. And I think that's 
Loki's hubris, if 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 it is King Loki, but we'll just say the general hubris of a supervillain, uh, assuming the TVA is some kind of supervillain, and like I need to do this myself. Well, you just doomed yourself. So nice work, buddy. Interesting. Okay, oh, that I... makes sense. No, you go ahead. I have a question for Samuel, but you go first. I like that idea, but I think I I also don't want to succumb to the idea that the writing might be bad. So I'm not saying that this is bad, but Owen Wilson has a very small line while they're looking for them amongst the timelines where he says that they've dialed up the uh, the probability of something being a Nexus event. And if someone even steps on the wrong leaf, it should alert them in their data, right? In their visualization. That could literally be the entire explanation for all of this. Yeah. And no that's really that. boring. That, but I, <laughs> I don't want it to be that because it's really boring. But it could be that. Yeah. Because they wouldn't have known that those two were on Lamentis, unless they sparked the Nexus event first. I think maybe things that happen at the TVA might also start to be included in the sacred timeline for that theory that you just shared to be correct, right? Because the TVA being included in the timeline means that yes, the TVA, we're going to go and save them. That would be what caused the spike. So you might absolutely be correct. Um, And honestly, I think I even lean towards what you just said, Peaches. Although one of the, one of the things that gives me a little bit of hope for, for Soundlord's argument is that the show then continues to kind of, kind of stress about, what caused this? Why was this a Nexus event? Like the show talks about why this is a Nexus event as well. And it feels well, I like think it, he nailed that. Like, right. I think, I think Chris is dead, dead on with that. Right. So I, I think there may be some, we may find out more about this and I'm willing to give it a chance. And also if it's bad writing, I don't think it's necessarily going to be show ruining, but I'm a little bit concerned about it. Cause it's just kind of a, I should of a back cruise. that up. Yeah, I should I should back that up. I guess I don't mean bad writing. I I guess it's just like no, I actually agree with you. A on little bad late. Writing. Well, it might just be a little lazier than we're used yeah. to. If that's yes. all that it was, if it, yeah. if that's all that it is, is Owen Wilson's line about the leaf thing, then yeah, eh, I just think it's inconsistent because then they always could have dialed it up and then found her in one of the other apocalypses, and that is true. That said, Soundlord, you said a few interesting things, particularly Loki being whatever he wants to be. So my question is, if your logic is correct, do you suspect that Sylvie's original Nexus event was Loki could be a hero? I think that is a good explanation because that's the only way I can think of that they wouldn't just go grab Sylvie as a baby. Mm -hmm. And, you know... Because you would <laughs> that think... is how time travel works, man. Yeah. First of all, that's horrifying. <laughs> For those of you <laughs> listening at home, I just did the Don Cheadle ring baby Thanos's neck thing. Um, he but... also did that if you're listening in your car. Yeah, wherever you're listening, that's what I did. I listen while mowing the lawn. Oh, if I had a lawn to mow, I would listen to podcasts. You don't want one. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. I... I think the only way that that wouldn't be a big Nexus event in itself uh, is that it's the nature versus nurture argument, I think. Where they're like, hey, if, uh, sure, they they didn't get the same 
frost giant baby, although we don't know Sylph is a frost giant, but whatever it is, like this god of mischief, this goddess of mischief is different from the one in the main timeline. But we could sit back and see what happens because it could still turn out exactly the same way, just just you know, with a woman instead of a, a, a man, and everything will be fine. But we've heard that they had a bit of a little bit of a different childhood uh, than than our Loki did. And of course, that's going to lead to a different uh, a different set of events, and that's going to lead to a different person. And you know, when she's playing pretend, and she's dreaming about, you know, Thor was the one who talked about, oh, when he was a kid, he always admired the Valkyries, and now here's Loki, Loki girl Sylvie, uh, who is. Just like Thor, you know, admiring these heroes and like I can save the day, and that's when the the TVA or whoever is like, okay, this is going to turn out to be some kind of heroic Loki, and we don't want that. That's too far off of uh, what we think the future should be, or what we want the future to be, whatever uh, whatever their mo actually is. So, I, so I do think that that is a good explanation for why that moment in particular is what made the TVA show up. Real quick, fun fact, uh, Renslayer, her hunter designation is A23. Avengers number 23 was where Ravona Renslayer made her comics debut. So just wanted to want to get that in there that's too. Very cool. uh, but yeah, so so that that's the, that's kind of where I where I sit on that. I'm I'm willing to be proven wrong next week, of course, but but that feels from what we know right now, that feels like a plausible explanation. Which the fact that we can come up with plausible explanations makes me think that there will be some kind of explanation and hopefully it'll be a satisfying one. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that what we consider to be a Nexus event isn't what we've been told, which is why it's so confusing now, which maybe can get a little bit of clarification later. I also just had another realization. So we go back to the first episode, right? And Mobius and Loki are having their chat. And Mobius asks Loki, you know, what his goals are, what are his plans. And then he lists off a bunch of things that are basically just what the TVA does. And then he's like, oh, okay, well then what next? And then I remember seeing that scene. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Loki's, what Loki's goals are and what the TVA's goals are are very similar. They want to, he's like, people shouldn't have free will. And like, but he's like, but you should be in charge of their free will, blah, 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 blah. And at first I was like, oh, that's interesting. And now that I think about it, I'm like, wait a second. (laughs) <laughs> hang on just a minute <laughs> you can't have all those things because we have all those things right wait a second here uh, i think another big part might be that this is not just a loki from a different timeline how do i say this but it is the same loki from the future and a nexus event is something that would change that loki's future as in like didn't get strangled by Thanos or something like that? As in this specific timeline of Loki, which, no, that wouldn't make sense either because this Loki was the one that was supposed Listen, to be strangled, Listen, I right? think... Chris, okay. okay. Yeah, Chris, you got really excited, so I'm going to show I'm sorry. Up. I'm jumping ahead to the post credit scene. You yeah. saw where they were all standing, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Ruined, Near Avengers Tower. Ruined New York. Right. Destroyed Avengers Tower. This is a Loki who won. Which Loki? So the, the one that's running the TVA uh, that we've decided. So I had a, a theory I wasn't going to defend the death, but I guess that what we saw was the bomb hit Manhattan, but you're going to say, although I guess oh. he still would have punched. 
Well, okay, hold on. Yeah, the that bomb would have killed would, Loki. Would, Loki wouldn't have lost if the bomb had hit Manhattan. No, <laughs> he still had the he still had a bunch of Chitauri in space. It would have. Hmm. Yep. What and we would have had was a nuked Manhattan, right? That still had an endless Chitauri invasion, right? I'm assuming the nu- a nuclear warhead doesn't destroy the Tesseract, so yeah, because you have to use the stones to destroy right. the stones. So yeah, you're right. This could, and so <laughs> so pruning would be sending people to his timeline, or yeah. Hmm. See, okay, because my thought was like maybe there's a different place that every person pruned goes to, like their own personal, you know, prune world. Right. I'm going to call them prune worlds now. Um, <laughs> or pruniverse. Okay. Pruniverse. Each, each one's going to have their own personal pruniverse. It was right there, and you yep. took it. I'm proud of you. <laughs> you should also design food packaging. Yeah, you know, maybe we should go into business together. We should. Marie yeah. Callender, give us a call because whoever designed the name of some of your bowls needs to be fired. Marie Callender, call us up. Make a date. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, so so I thought that maybe that this is like the Loki universe, and then Mobius is off in some sort of Mobius universe, which maybe is just the him. Jet-ski-verse. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he's surrounded by, by rotting jet skis. <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, may, maybe these time sticks, these prune sticks, just send people to... King, we'll call him King Loki for now, uh, to King Loki's timeline where he sends them off so that he can take over what he, or maybe he wants to make every timeline like his, or I, who knows. I, I don't I know feel what like is yet. But. Wherever they go, whatever Pruniverse they go to, I feel like it has to be the same one because how else are we? Owen Wilson is not going to not be in two more episodes. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. We have to save Mobius. I think mm-hmm. he also went to that same universe. And so I'm going to give myself a pat on the back for saying it's like the guy from Halloween Town where all the lost stuff ends up at his house. His yeah. house is the Pruniverse where uh-huh. the ruined New York with Avengers Tower is. Whoever's universe that is, I think the prune stick sends them there. Interesting. So thinking this through real quick, because this is interesting. If Loki wins, where... I mean, I guess if that's correct, we'll get the answer. But I start thinking about, okay... What happens with Thanos and his relationship with Thanos? And what does Thanos do if Loki wins? And does that mean Loki can take Thanos once he's taken New York somehow? Or, hmm. Yeah, did maybe Loki outsmarted Thanos? Yeah. You know, also, because Thanos was dumb enough to give him the Mind Stone. Also, any of those Lokis that we met in the post credit scene, including the Gator. Remember, Loki's a trickster. Any one of them could be this mysterious King Loki pulling the strings, yeah, right. trying to con right, right. our Loki into thinking that they're all a team. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, I had no theories, and now I'm, like, all in on yeah, this. <laughs> in custody, Loki argues with an angry Mobius who calls Loki a bad oh. friend. Loki tells Mobius that TVA is lying to the agent, but he doesn't listen, and the Asgardian is thrown into a holding cell. In the cell, Loki is forced to relive a time loop on Asgard where Lady Sif repeatedly punches him after Loki cut off a lock of her hair and tells him he will always be Did y'all be squeal okay. when Sif, like actual Jamie yeah, Alexander, was, was really there? I really happy to see her again. Yeah. Yes. Angela, yeah. I think we were we were eating dinner and we both went, oh! <laughs> like we were both real excited. It's like, what a cool hey! cameo. Yeah. yeah. Didn't expect that in the least, but that's so cool. Uh... I all have another reason I squealed, which is 
Mm-hmm. Um, this was a, I recognize this as a story that I read in my freshman year of college for, um, what, what class was that? It was classical studies. And in classical studies, we read the um, uh, Poetic Edda, which is a story of, of um, basically the things that Soundlord usually brings to the show. I'll do it this week for you. Well, um, we're not doing a Spider-Man episode, so I couldn't. Oh, got it. Okay. Which is wait, uh, wait till, uh, wait yeah, no mythology. Home. Yeah, which is all our, our um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Nordic mythology. Anyway, one of the stories in there is the story of Lady Sif, the wife of Thor. Um, and her, who had long, beautiful golden hair. So it's only kind of accurate here. Um, long, beautiful golden hair. And there is a story, it's not a particularly important or detailed story, but where Loki, uh, the trickster, cuts off Sif's hair and makes her depressed. Um, that's all I got to say about it. I just thought this is, I, I'm assuming, very clearly a reference to uh, that chapter, that section of the Poetic Edda. Uh, and I thought that was really neat. I love it when they tie in actual yes actual Norse stories mythology. from yes. Norse mythology mm-hmm. like into the Thor and Loki stories I will tell you as somewhat of a stupid person uh, when I was a freshman in college and we start and I went to that class and I found out what Ragnarok's not a Marvel thing like <laughs> I can't I can't wait until we see the lore where Loki hooks up with a horse <laughs> well you know Odin already has that horse in uh in thor so true it's already happened oh yeah we're not gonna see it unless it's a flashback unless he goes into you know, a time prison again we we gotta find out where hella's wolf came from because that's also loki's the kid, world serpent is also loki's mm-hmm. kid yeah yeah loki's got a he's lot like, of weird kids he's like zeus there. but in but in norse mythology look look yeah honestly falling in love with himself would not be the weirdest loki hookup i'm saying <laughs> Thank you for adding a point to my later rant. Yeah. Mobius attempts to interrogate Sylvie, but is shot down by Renslayer, saying she's too dangerous and orders him to find out what the Nexus spike was. On his way back to Loki, Mobius runs into B-15 guarding Sylvie. She asks Mobius if Loki said anything to him, and Mobius dismissively tells B-15 about being told the TVA is lying to them. After a while, Loki admits to Sif that he, does, that he does bad things for attention because he's afraid of being alone, and she asserts that she will al- that he will always be alone. Oh, you know, we, we, we glossed over something real quick. Mm-hmm. We now have our first 100% canon uh, proof that vampires exist in the MCU. Oh, yeah. Says Kree something and vampires? Yeah, Kree, Titans, and vampires. There we go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's easy to believe that they've brought in variant Thanoses before. I was going to ask, ah. do we think he's pruned Thanos at some point? I, hopefully. What no, is, no, no. I what think what this proves about? is this is, uh, this is a variant of Jared Leto that <laughs> Owen Wilson is. Uh, and so this is a different Mobius. They're combi- You know how they combine uh, their characters? That's Morbius. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, Mobius, but he says he spelled his name wrong, so they had to prune him. And- <laughs> 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 Damn it! I had a joke right there, and you snuck in a different one. Uh, what was yours? I'm, sa- I'm saying mine anyway. No, it's when they start to clone all the Mobiuses, they're going to start calling them Morbius because there's more of them. <laughs> if it was like, like the old too. Star Wars canon, though, it would be Mobius. <laughs> Mobius. <laughs> okay, yeah. Can we can we talk about that real quick? How, that's dumb, right? 
that you just add a vowel. Like if you cloned me, I'd be Chris with so, two eyes. Okay. Half of this podcast probably doesn't actually understand what we're talking about. In the old Star okay. Wars canon, the old extended universe, the novels and the comics and stuff, what they did when they cloned people is they just added an extra vowel in their name. So like at one point there's a, a clone Kingdom of Hearts Luke 2? Skywalker and his name is Luke Skywalker, L-U-U-K-E. <laughs> and people were mad that they got rid of this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and they didn't, okay, I'm going to real quick step on my soapbox and say they didn't get rid of it. They're reprinting these books. You can go buy them and read yes. them right now if you'd like to. Right, we're derailing, but I'm going to make two points on what you just said. One is, um, <laughs> I loved the old Star Wars canon. I owned those books, I read them, I loved them dearly, and also was completely in favor of a reset charge on the Star Wars Extended Universe. Mm-hmm. But also, absolutely, no one actually gets to decide what's canon for you. Just because someone says, wow, those stories didn't happen, it doesn't mean the, the words on the page didn't happen and you can't read them and enjoy them. So, yeah. It's, Decide what stories you want to enjoy for yourself and live your life and be happy. You know, like if it turns out that, you know, we're going to get some kind of canon proof in the Marvel movies in the future that Aids of the Shield doesn't count. I'm still glad I watched that show because for the most part, it was a really good entertaining show. Right. And if I want to be like, yeah, Agent May exists, then no one can tell me otherwise because it's all fake story stuff. Whatever. <laughs> How did we get here? Um, Mobius. Michigan Chillers. <laughs> that's, a, that's a surveillance to orc. Mobius pulls Loki out of the cell to interrogate him. Loki tries to convince Mobius Sylvie is just part of his scheme, but when Mobius lies and tells Loki she's, being, she's been pruned, he picks up on Loki's emotion and realizes the Nexus event was caused by Loki falling for himself. As Mobius mocks Loki for being what he calls a narcissism capable of breaking reality, Loki eventually tells Mobius that everyone at the TVA is a variant. Now, Peach, I wanna I'm gonna throw it to you here in a sec, but I wanna be clear as to who you're because you're gonna defend Loki here. And mm-hmm. I wanna know who you're defending Loki to. Basically the internet. It's it's Twitter. And Mobius. If Mobius were here, I would be defending. I was gonna say Loki. it's really like Mobius is the one that's really so, okay, so Mobius had a lot of dialogue about how that was, like, a really messed up situation. And then after the episode, I was on Twitter, um, which is probably always a bad idea to just be on Twitter at all. Um, and there was the, I saw this image that a bunch of people were retweeting, where it was the scene from Falcon and the Winter Soldier, where Sam and Bucky were, like, interlocked legs in their therapy session. And then it was the scene where, Loki and Sylvie were sitting right next to each other on Lamentis. And it was like one of those split images where above one of the images, people have written a thing. And then above the other one, you know what I'm talking about? And a lot of people were like, yes, kiss, kiss, kiss for the uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier scene. And then the caption for the other one was like, oh, God, no, please don't. And a lot of people were like agreeing with that and like had their own opinion on why it was gross and messed up and all this other stuff so it's those people and mobius (laughs) to answer your question um here's the deal i don't think that it's that weird that loki would have feelings for sylvie first of all i still don't even really think that sylvie is loki i still think sylvie is sylvie 
And I think Sylvie is the enchanted. Listen, I know. But hear me out for a second. Earlier you guys said, isn't this confirming that she's Loki? She was kidnapped in Asgard when she was a young girl. The things that they have in common are that they are from Asgard, they wear green, and they know magic. And the magic that they know isn't even the same magic. They're learning magic from each other. If you were kidnapped when you were like six by the time police, and we've talked about the TVA being compared to kind of like modern day policing, uh, police people mess up. It really seems to me like Renslayer did not really know what she was doing when she was on this mission. She seemed like she was in that like young and kind of reckless and nervous and felt like she was messing things up. And then later she doesn't even tell Sylvie why she, she took her away from the timeline. That sort of seems like a cop messing up and not admitting to their mistakes. So is it plausible that she took somebody that wasn't Loki and gas lamped her into thinking that, she was Loki. I say gas lamp because it's like gaslighting. It's ironic. So is it possible that she kidnapped a young magician from Asgard, thought she was Loki, told her her whole life she was Loki, and now she believes it but doesn't even want to be called Loki? I, I don't think it's out of the question. But I have a question on that real quick. Yeah. Okay. If that's what's going on, why is the show going to the trouble of putting her in what's clearly supposed to be young Loki clothes. Why is she playing with a toy that she's calling Loki and making Loki the hero? Why guess, what the... is the show's reason for doing this? Why yeah. is everybody obsessed with people wearing the same clothes have to be the same person? Okay. No, no, hold on. Were y'all in marching band? You think the show had her <laughs> wear clearly young Loki clothes just for fun? What is clearly what is clearly young Loki? No, no, Peach. I'm I'm out. I'm gonna tell you why you're both right. (laughs) Okay, I'm I'm curious. She's Loki because she is an adopted person of the Asgardian royal family, who became the deity of mischief. So, in that universe the role she plays in the story of that universe is Loki. Not necessarily a version, like a different genetic version of the Loki we know, but for all intents and purposes, the Loki of that universe. Sure, I, like I can your, believe that. I just don't think that's the same as an elaborate bait and switch for reasons I, I don't I, understand. I like your mediating, but it's a perfect segue because whether she is a completely different person or she is a Loki from a different timeline, she's still a completely different person. And that's why I think it's not that weird. Yes, both of them, if... Now let me transition to, yes, they are their timelines version of Loki. They are both their timelines Loki. But they're on different timelines. They're different people. They're vastly different versions of people that exist on those timelines for similar reasons. And... I just don't think it's that weird, especially coming from a person who we've described and everybody knows is narcissistic. And it doesn't, 
like when people find each other that they are romantically attracted to in real life, it usually starts because of common interests, common goals, lifestyles, mindsets, whatever it might be. They find that they have things in common and then they want to explore that further. It's not that weird. It's not like he's dating his sister. He's he and they're not even dating like it's not like he's interested in his sister. He's interested in a person that has common interests to himself that is from a completely different space that may or may not be that timeline's same role. Yeah. Now, the counterpoint to that, and here's the thing, is that we don't know what what it's like, you know, in other timelines. The, the way that it might be like dating your sister is if it turns out that they have the same parents and if they genetically match up then gross but that would be fair but different timeline we don't know what else is different and it could be they're completely because again this also gets into timeline versus dimension versus universe versus you know what these things all mean which is still Um, kind of fuzzy yeah um, but let's assume for like, like, let's take Spider-Man as an example. If the, all the Spider-Man movies that we just watched were, uh, alternate universes, then they all look very different. So would they be like, if you did a DNA test, would you find out that they're a hundred percent that Spider-Man? Yeah. Right. That's <laughs> I wanted you to say that bitch, but uh, yeah. yeah. I guess the, okay. the main thing is, I don't know if it's weird or not, because I genuinely do not know how time travel works since it's not real. I don't know if they have the same yeah. genes or not. Like, I don't yeah. know how this works. If they don't have the same genes and they're not actually the same person, I've, then no, it's And not I've weird. got more. I've got more, too. Let me reference the great noble sound lord from the point that I didn't even have on the notes. Loki mm-hmm. has done it with weirder things. Thank you for that earlier. Uh, so it's really not that weird. And also, everything that we just talked about could end up being moot. And I don't really believe it, but I'll tell you why. I, listeners, sadly fell for a clickbait article this week. Um, The clickbait article was written in between episodes three and four, and I had already seen episode four at this point, so I got to it a little late. But in that article... Somebody apparently interviewed Kate Heron, the director, where she was talking about the scene on Lamentis um, and how some people were, I'm doing air quotes, concerned. I probably shouldn't do air quotes because some people were concerned that the two of these Loki or Loki and Sylvie, however you want to view this, were going to end up having this romantic relationship. And she tried to like bust that myth by saying, no, we didn't really have any intention for them to form a romantic relationship. This is supposed to be like a platonic friendship thing. Um, I think maybe, I know, I I think maybe that is possible, but in a very strange way, I think you have to think of it from Loki's feelings perspective and like his whole life. You know, he gets thrown in this time loop that we talked about with Sif, where Sif repeatedly tells him over and over you're always going to be alone. Nobody wants to be around you. He probably has this vicious cycle of he wants attention, but everybody hates him. So he does something. He lashes out. Then people hate him more and, you know, rinse, repeat. He wants attention. He does something. People hate him more. 
this is like the first time we're seeing on this Loki, this timeline Loki trajectory, because we saw it by the time we got to Ragnarok, where like Thor was like, yo, I love you. You're my brother. And he was coming around to being a hero. This is the first time this version of Loki has experienced people not just like hating him all the time. Like you can tell Mobius actually kind of likes him. And you can tell Loki is sad when Mobius gets pruned because he's very sad. You can tell because it's right there. Like it's an obvious thing. And then, you know, he's met Sylvie who has similar interests, has similar goals. He has two more friends than he's ever had in his whole life. And now they're being taken away from him. So I can see where maybe what he was going for at the end is I have to tell you something. I'm not very good at this. You are my friend. <laughs> like it's not, it wouldn't be the best writing. I, I think maybe the actual, uh, the actual plot is that Kate Heron didn't want to just admit, yes, they are romantically involved, but I think it is possible is what I'm saying. You know what I think it is? I think that he's going to tell her that he can use the force but we're going to have to hear about it in an interview <laughs> no. uh, two weeks after the se- uh, the season finale. And uh, because yeah. they're never actually going to explain it. Yeah, that makes more sense. That's probably what it is. Smart, smart. I, <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah I, I don't, I, like I said, I don't, I don't think any of your points are wrong, but it's, it hinges on knowing what actually, if variants from different timelines and time travel are, actual different people with different biology and different genes and different parents or not, which I don't think is a question I'm equipped to answer. So just the, from every standpoint of assuming they can be different people, then no, I don't think it's weird. How I try to think about this is, and like, I'm just like, I'm not. Oh, this and, isn't and real to... quick, your point about it makes sense for Loki also completely accurate. Sure. Like I, and I'm not saying this to be self-deprecating, but I'm just, I'm not saying this because I'm like super important or anything, but you know, if there were a thousand timelines and there were a thousand versions of me, I don't imagine that I would be as different as a lot of these Lokis are. And I think that makes it more confusing uh, because I imagine on all a thousand of these earth timelines in real life, like I would be, a little bit different, but mostly the same. Um, so yeah, it's hard to tell. Is it like the same person? Is it not the same person? Mm-hmm. I, but I just don't think it's that big of a deal if they are romantically involved either way. I just, it's not that weird. I agree. Yeah. I don't, I don't press back on that point. I think you're right. I don't think it's weird yeah. at all. I press back on you still saying this isn't Loki <laughs> right. because <laughs> Literally everything that they have pointed us to tells us it's Loki. Right. And this isn't like a a thing left up for discussion. And I, I also disagree with yeah, your point about look. Because we're, we're talking about a comic book movie here. And comic book characters are synonymous mostly with their appearance, right? Like when you look at Spider-Man, people like and enjoy the Spider-Man because it looks like Spider-Man. Yes, there are alternate costumes, but like a hero's most synonymous thing is the way they look, their costume, their appearance. So them making her have the Loki horns at the beginning and having the little one look like a small version of Loki isn't an accident. Right, it's narrative shorthand. And so Trevor didn't of, look like the the Mandarin. Who didn't what now? 
Trevor and didn't. He wasn't an like... alternate timeline version of him. Right. I know. He was an I, actor. But, right. It's narrative also, shorthand. It's doing one of two things. It is either making a bait and switch where we're supposed to think it's Loki and then they're going to pull the rug out from under us. And my question is, to what end if that's what they're doing? It seems really boring if that's what they're doing. Or okay. it's narrative shorthand so that you understand without them having to spend it, without you, them having to going... literally show you his birth and adopt her birth and adoption that this is Loki. Are you going back on your from a couple episodes ago or last episode, Eduardo, where you said you don't think it's a mistake that they chose the name Sylvie because like the Enchantress thing still could make sense. Oh, I, I still I, think it's I a combination think of just, the two characters. Yeah, I think they're combining two characters. She's I think the Enchantress the, who had the upbringing of Loki. Correct. Mm-hmm. Like the and the, the Enchantress Sylvie that is in the comic books is a character that starts off on Midgard that gets wakes up one day and has powers and doesn't understand why. And it's because Loki gifted her those powers. And it's like that's where that storyline, but that's not the like Enchantress that is most popular. That is a yeah, different so is the evil Correct. king, evil king timeline Loki has Ravona has Ravona kidnap Sylvie from Asgard. Gives her powers, calls her Loki. It it could work out. I think you're making it way too complicated. When at the end of this episode gave us an alligator who was Loki, a black man who was Loki, a child who was Loki, and an old white man who was Loki. I know. I'm not saying that I. I'm not saying that I like need it to be true. I'm just saying it's still possible. It's like so. You're it's, saying there's a chance. Yes, it's a logic puzzle. It's a logic puzzle where you you have like. 99% of your brain is like, this is definitely the right answer, but technically you could still be wrong about it. So you're not going to, you're not going to put the X in the box. I mean, you have to wait till you have all the info. I sure. might put an X in pencil in that box. Yeah. But that's I fine. Think, and you can erase it. I think yeah. with all of the clues that they have given us, and when I say clue, I mean like spoon fed. Correct. By literally saying she is a Loki. <laughs> You it know, feels very much like they just like they're like accept this. There's a lot of other mystery crap going on right now. Right. Wonder about that, but accept this, right? And, and maybe they could. It's it's not about. impossible for them to be like everything we've told you was a lie because that's kind of what the show is all about. Is being like some of the rules that we've set up are not correct. Psych, she's a robot too. But, yeah, but to what end, right? <laughs> to what end is that Loki? Unless that is King Loki, and he's been lying to Loki this whole time. But once again, I think they'd be going through way too much trouble for something that could be very simple and can just be... We did not see her go through that robot detector machine. Yeah, we did. Wait, yes, we did. Yeah, yeah we they did. showed it in yes. the flashback. Did she go through it or did she yes. stand in front and of it? Even, it even did the yeah, little flashing thing. When she oh, went okay, through. okay. Yeah, yeah she I'll, t- I'll take the defeat on that one, but I'm not, I'm not backing down for everything <laughs> but else. But we did not see her sign for everything she's ever said. That's, That's true. true. <laughs> Damn! All right, release the birth certificate, Peaches, over here. <laughs> Back that up! I don't want to be associated with that. Oh damn! No, 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 no! I called the cops bad ten minutes ago. Okay. You can think cops are bad, and that Sylvie was born in Kenya. That they're not necessarily mutually exclusive. Jesus, Jesus. Right, conspiracy theories are drive. not like, <laughs> conspiracy hit the theories gas. Are not like bundling they, cable and the internet. You can have separate conspiracy theories. They faked the Asgard landing. 
Asgard is flat, you mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Birds aren't real on Asgard. <laughs> <laughs> My other favorite conspiracy. Bill Mobius uh, still doesn't believe Loki and puts him back in the cell while Loki says Mobius is the biggest liar for lying to himself. Is Mobius a Loki? Who knows? Because he's a really good liar. <laughs> Uh, still distraught, B-15 goes alone into Sylvie's interrogation room, seemingly to prune her. Okay, I gotta go back just one one last time. A big reason that they didn't just call her Loki and gave her Sylvie and this whole thing is for people like me who have to read these show notes, and it would get very confusing if they were like, Loki did this, and then Loki did that. I am panicked about the next episode because I know what the next episode is going to be like. (laughs) I'm panicked about writing it. I'm sure in the writer's room, they were like, those those guys that do the Assembly Required podcast, we gotta, we gotta make sure that the host knows how to read the notes. Let's throw them a bone. We better give her a, an alias he can use. Well, you know, all those Lokis do have names uh, in the credits, so we could go by okay. those. Yeah, it's old Loki and... Uh, it's, it's classic Loki, boastful Loki, Tebow kid Loki. Loki. That's Tebow the gator. Loki. Tebow Loki, yeah. They did not name the gator. (laughs) It's Tebow Loki. Okay. Or I prefer Emmett Loki. We'll go with that. We can agree on Emmett Loki. Okay. I need that crocodile now to to take a knee. Uh, (laughs) Once alone, she puts away her prune stick and takes Sylvie through a time door to the site of the Rock's Cart Hurricane. B-15 answers questions, Sil- B-15 questions, not answers, questions Sylvie about the memories she I'm, saw. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm laughing Channing. because you said Rock's Cart Hurricane and it made me think of the song Jumpin' Jack Flash by <laughs> the Rolling Stones. I was born in a Rock's Cart Hurricane. <laughs> really? I, I was in the opposite. I was thinking Rock You Like a Hurricane, but uh-huh. Rock's Cart Like a Hurricane. Here, 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 here I am! Rock's Cart Like a Hurricane! Oh man, we should just... Uh, Release an album of Rock's Cart Hurricane songs. <laughs> we got at least two, baby. Yeah, that's all you need for at least a single and a B-side. <laughs> I'm sorry. Continue. A B-15 side. <gasps> B-15 insists she was created by the TVA, and Sylvie tells her she's a variant whose life and memory was taken from her. The Minuteman asks to be enchanted again and revisits the memories of her past life, saying, I looked happy. Oh, God, the way she delivered that line. Uh Uh-huh. Oh. Uh Uh-huh. My heart. Uh Uh-huh. Renslayer and Mobius share a drink over the closing of the Loki case. Renslayer asks Mobius where he could go if he could go anywhere in time, and Mobius deflects to ask about interrogating Sylvie and what happened to C-20. I need to be honest about something about myself as a Marvel fan and where I have progressed to, and part of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier helped me realize this. And it is that I find that I enjoy Marvel fights less than I used to. And it is not to say that I don't enjoy them at all, but that if if they are used too much, to me it sort of drags down the pacing of a lot of what could be really good. And a lot of this, these interactions similar to WandaVision, a lot of this personal interaction is what makes it so great. And then you have the action spliced in there to really elevate some of the scenes. But so it is not seen as, uh, as a crutch. I think we all have the same question and we are just trying to decide <laughs> who's going to say it. Uh, I'll I say think, this one I out. think Soundlord gets to ask it. Oh, do I have to? Yeah. 
So what do you think about the helicarrier scenes now? Oh, that's not what my question was. <laughs> oh, what were you going to say? I was with you, Soundlord. All right. I like your question better. I like your question way better. <laughs> my problem, there's lots of action that happens on the helicarrier. No, but but you're talking about the scene in which there's some uh, some plot progression and some character development between Mobius and Ravona, and then you transition to, you don't need so much action. You like this plot development. I cannot Absolutely. believe I'm going to say this. I cannot helicarrier. believe I'm going to say this. To defend Eduardo on the helicarrier, if I remember correctly, he mostly didn't like the set pieces. Correct. I didn't like it as a scenes. setting. I didn't like it as a yeah. as an instrument of. Uh, I hate. Uh, oh God, I'm dying. Robbie I'm dying. defending Eduardo and the helicarrier. We're about to watch a time door open behind <laughs> yeah. him. The TVA theme is about to play. Robbie's gonna get pruned. Bum, 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 bum. That means you guys are getting reset. Oh crap! And that means you're getting reset. And also, wait, no more hold Robbie. On. Hold on, hold on. I'm holding. I hadn't even thought about this. When they go to reset a variation, they take the variant. Variant lives. The person that caused the problem lives, gets pulled away, and everyone else just gets killed. Or well, they, I guess taken to another universe. That's, but, that's another yeah, thing right, that right, right, right. Me is that when they say reset the timeline, does that mean a new person that was the variant pops up in their place and then continues life? Because yeah. it doesn't make sense for them to just be removed and then nothing right. else to happen. They made it look yeah. like they're cutting off the branch and that time mm-hmm. stops existing, but. I just, I think it, it's, it's for the first time it had ever occur, it had occurred to me that the variant is getting off good compared to everyone else. So, right. or at least I think so. I feel like it's one of those quantum things mm-hmm. where, you know, you just stick quantum on it. Okay. Um, where somehow both things happen and the thing that's supposed to happen, I'm doing air quotes now, gets to keep happening while the reset just gets rid of the, uh, um, the, Interesting. The, the branch timeline. We also don't know the radius of those things. Like they might not actually go far enough to wipe everybody out. They would have to remove anything that was butterfly affected by the event, though. Yeah, no, like you're this, right. Yeah. Which in this case would have to be all the way up to Pennsylvania. It's so I wonder if those. Yeah. Because those might work. They don't look like they do, but they might work differently from the prune stick. Maybe they like. You know, they develop a radius of however far they need to go to capture everybody, right. and then they dial back time and put everybody back in their place before that event started. Whereas yeah, the stick teleports say. them to uh, New York post-apocalyptic prune prunescape. I'm asking this because I'm interested in the thought, but I I think we're going to get the answer to this question in a couple, in an episode or two. Oh, by the way, my question... That's all we have left is an episode The question I was going to ask that wasn't as good as the helicarrier question was, if you remember on the Civil War episode... No, not the Civil War episode. The um, Winter Soldier episode, Captain America, Winter Soldier, the movie, not the show. Mm -hmm. uh, We had a big discussion about whether or not there was too many many action sequences and too many Oh, yeah, yeah, because Angela... So I'm wondering if Eduardo would be on that side now of saying, well, and maybe I'm on that side as well. I like... Winter Soldier, I still love Winter Soldier, but I think I like it less than I used to. And it definitely ended up being lower on my list than it was when we started the show. There are a lot of things that I now go back into and realize that there are specific moments that elevated my scores originally. The big reveal in Winter Soldier is one that really made Mm -hmm. me like that movie a lot more than I think it 
not that it deserved, but it just more than I actually did like the movie. Now that I've gone back and watched it a couple of times, I go, oh, well, I'm not as high on it as I was the first time because I'm not like, oh my God, this is happening. No way. Right? Like, Hail Hydra. Precisely. Boobly, boobly. Do we just skip to the end? Oh, bye, everyone. Before we get started, <laughs> does anyone want to get out? Well, now we skip back to the beginning. Yeah. Said, no, I, but not not for this, though. This is the Loki intro. So Plot twist, I'm the TVA. Is one of you Tony Stank? <laughs> Dormammu, I've come to bargain. The judge tells Mobius she's just trying to protect Mobius from having his mind destroyed like C-20s and gives a speech about the importance of their friendship and protecting the sacred timeline. Unconvinced, while Renslayer is distracted putting Sylvie's sword in her trophy case, Mobius switches his tempad for Renslayer's and leaves. In the quiet of the library, Mobius watches footage of C-20 marked as deceased, angrily yelling about her self-discovery over being a variant before Renslayer comes on screen to end the recording. Mobius meets with Loki, admits he was right, and says the next event the Loki, the Loki created, could be powerful enough to bring the whole TVA down. When he expresses concern over having to trust a pair of Loki, Loki asks him if he can trust a friend instead. Is this not Lord of the Rings? Mm-hmm. Is this not mm-hmm. a Lord of the Rings reference? Like, come on. I, that I could do. <laughs> I mean, they they brought it up in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Why not do it here, too? Fair, fair. Mobius has probably read it. He's been around forever. Yeah. Mobius tells Loki he can be anything he wants, even someone good. And the two leave the the time cell together, walking directly into Renslayer in a group of Minutemen. That was a sweet moment, too. Mm -hmm. Just in case anyone ever told you otherwise. (laughs) And and then it's immediately tense. Just instantly tense. Yeah. Realizing what's coming, Mobius says if he could go anywhere in time, he'd go to wherever he's really from and ride on his jet ski. Renslayer interrupts Mobius' speech and has him pruned. When I say my jaw dropped. Uh-huh. <laughs> on the floor, dude. Angela and I just looked at each other so sad. Yes. Cat screamed. Like, actually screamed. It was... I. Maybe Bailey will appreciate me bringing this up. It felt very Game of Thrones to me. That was the thing that I... I'm not saying that I liked characters dying in Game of Thrones, but one thing about Game of Thrones that made it so exciting is that nobody was ever safe in Game of Thrones. At any point, a character you loved could have met their end, and so you were always on your like the edge of your seat because you, just, you couldn't predict what was going to happen. And that's what I felt in this moment when Mobius got pruned, was no way did they just do that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It it brought up that sort of feeling that I had when I watched through every season except season eight of Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I was sad, mm-hmm. but I'm less sad now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two loci are taken alone by Renslayer to the Timekeepers. While riding the elevator to their chamber, Sylvie asks Renslayer what her next event could have been to be so important the TVA would destroy her life. Renslayer just says she doesn't remember. Oh, she smirks too. I think that she, you know, she smirks. It is. Y'all ever seen Street Fighter? Yeah. The movie? Yes. It's the. For you, the day that bison graced your village was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. The, it's the, you mean the best movie line of all time? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
Appearing before the alien timekeepers, the two loci are asked to explain themselves before their execution. At this point, I was like, oh, we were wrong about everything. Here are the timekeepers. They're right there. Everything yeah. was exactly. And Same. I was like completely thrown off. I was like, oh, yep. look, everything that they said is true. The timekeepers are right there. Let's see what ha- Let's see how Loki gets out of this one. Uh, see, I was definitely thinking this is the Wizard of Oz. Really? So, okay. Yeah. I did definitely, yeah. there was a moment I talked to, I turned to Kat and I said, pay no attention to the to the Ravana behind, behind the curtain. But uh-huh. then, and that doesn't mean I necessarily know it's Ravana. But, and then they, uh, then as they talked, I think I kind of forgot it. But then the moment where the timekeeper goes, let's talk. Right before she threw the sword at him, I click, they're going to be, they're going to be robots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because why would they have just sat there right, while right, right. two lo- the Loki? Yeah, I think were... that's what it is. The fact that they just sat there through it made me think they're instant. My my roommate went in the very first scene when there's the smoke everywhere and the mm-hmm. the neon lights. He said, "I'm getting some Wizard of Oz vibes here," and I was like, "Don't say anything, don't say," because I had already watched it uh... and he was watching it for the first time. So I was like, Ugh. "They do exist." <laughs> Both loci express defiance before the timekeepers order them deleted. As guards approach to execute them, B-15 appears and releases the time loop callers on both variants. Throws Sylvia her sword, and the two loci work together to fight Renslayer and the timekeeper guards. The guards are quickly killed, and Sylvie knocks out Renslayer before turning to the timekeepers. One tells her, you are a child of the timekeepers too, Sylvie. We can talk. What does that mean? I think, I think that's was- just what's... Yeah, I think it was bullshit, desperate bullshit, but I don't uh-huh. know. <laughs> Someone who wants to sound like the ruler of the universe would be like, oh, you are my child, we can talk. Also, I, I, it must be stated, major Last Jedi vibes in this fight scene. Yeah. yeah. Yes. yeah. Throne room scene. Yes. Which is funny because uh, Snoke wanted his guards to be Ren Slayers too. damn (laughs) hell yeah that was really good absolutely not hell yeah (laughs) what do you mean absolutely not that was great how dare you robbie there's that time door again watch out let's go in one of our one of our marie calendar boxes oh i was supposed to tell everyone that the actor who plays little sylvie is also the same actor that plays little ray in uh force awakens and uh, oh Last Jedi? She the little raisin last Jedi too, right? No, it's in she's all three of them. Yeah. I think it's like the same yeah. shot in each of them though. Well yeah, it's the same yeah. So it's that, yeah. that same actor. That's cool. Sylvie throws her sword to cut off the timekeeper's head. The timekeeper's head rolls to the ground as the two laugh and deactivate, all three being revealed to have been robots. Robots. Beep boop. Robot. Destroy all humans. I thought you were the robots. <laughs> we must show them our peaceful ways. By force. <laughs> I am timekeeper. Please insert girder. John B. The chocolates. It's going to be really confusing for anyone who hasn't watched Futurama. <laughs> well, after hey. listening to last week's episode, they should have been like, I need to watch this show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but listeners, when you're watching Futurama, skip an episode called Jurassic Bark. Don't skip it. No. Don't you skip need to, it. No. That's, I don't care how it makes you emotional. It's a good episode. God. It very it's, much is. It's a really good episode. It makes me but sad. For the rest of your life, time. someone's going to say Jurassic mm-hmm. Bark to you and you'll be sad. 
Yeah. I also get sad at the devil's hands or idle playthings, but you oh, know, but I watched that one anyway. That's my favorite episode, I think. Same. It's got a great oh. musical sequence. Uh-huh. Some of my favorite jokes are oh god, I just I could quote that entire episode. That's not ironic, it's just mean. A man writing an opera about a woman. <laughs> <laughs> The Loki realize they still have not reached their goal. Loki starts to tell Sylvie, we will figure this out, because back on Lamentis, and places his hands on her before Renslayer suddenly prunes him from behind. An angry Sylvie quickly subdues Renslayer and holds her at prune stick point, saying, you're going to tell me everything as the credits roll. That's what they call it these days. What a horrible way to phrase that. <laughs> I think it was great. The TVA. We know everything we knew we throw out the window here at this point. And so you've got lots and lots and lots of things to I don't understand. Question. I think they're on the level. <laughs> it's just pretty straightforward. Uh, okay, so I've talked about a lot of the things that I was going to talk about here. It's kind of come up throughout this. Uh, so really just the questions I want to pose. The timekeepers, have they always been fake? Were they once real and now they're dead or vanished or something? And these robots are there to just keep up appearances? Or is it all, you know, the plan of... I said my wild guess here is King Loki. Uh, and, you know, we've touched that point to death now because it was all of our wild guesses. Um, or it was, I guess it was Eduardo's guess and then we all... It was not my quick. wild guess until Eduardo made it. Now it's yeah. my wild guess. I yeah. Just... Yeah, we're, this we're, we're show, I'm just off being a water. parasite on other people's wild guesses. <laughs> a parasite. Um, speaking of the parasite, um, that one poster that B-15's looking at with that guy's face on it that's like, did you delete? Angela's like, that's Andrew Ryan. Yes! <laughs> yes! Mm-hmm. Yes! Yeah. yeah. Um, Probably anyway. another reason I love this show so much. A man chooses, a variant obeys. <laughs> no, I think the problem is a variant chooses. <laughs> Um, my my second question is, as uh, as was once asked during uh, Watergate, I'll paraphrase. Uh, what does Ravana Renslayer know, and when did she know it? Like, did she know that there weren't timekeepers, that they were just robots? Why would she have to go down and talk to them if she did know they were fake? Quick note: If she knows they're fake, then the line "protect the time slayers," the time time slayers. The line time protect slayer. the timekeepers is absolutely fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, because she she might want to protect them from being exposed. Oh, no. no, no, no. I yeah. I agree with that. I agree yeah. why she would say it. It just comes off so funny for like she knows if she knows it's a robot, it's just say protect them. Yeah. <laughs> Not a scratch. Um and then my other points I, I've already talked about was why why does the TVA seem unusually obsessed with Loki variants? And I think we've got a pretty good idea uh, for at least a very good possible explanation. Oh, it says right here. I see it in the notes. Yep, yep. <laughs> and uh, and then the other thing was uh, I talked about this when we were trying to figure out why Lamentus was an Nexus event. And is it that the TVA has created their own Nexus event by trying to prevent it? So yeah, those those are my main questions. Like I said, most of them came up in conversation already throughout this uh, this recording. This has been a fun one. I'm going on the record with always fake, 
Renslayer didn't know, but now does know because she proved to be a willing accomplice to King Loki slash Kang slash... Oh, also, a whole bunch of the internet now thinks it's Doctor Doom, and I just want to shut that down real quick. No, no, no. You don't introduce Doctor Doom. Right, we're not going to get Doctor Doom on a Disney I Plus have, show. I have not heard that. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm sorry, just... Just from a satisfying character introduction, no, you don't introduce Dr. Doom as some weird extra-dimensional time meddler. He has to be a dictator of a weird little country. And, you know, you can build up to the weird, the you know, the crazy stuff with the magic and everything. Um, I mean, if we're going to get Dr. Doom in anything soon, it's going to be Dr. Strange, now that I'm thinking about it. You know what? To go back to the did Renslayer know thing, before I just forget to say it, I I think she didn't know. I think she is going, we're going to see her have like a, not necessarily like a, a turn because she's been a good guy the whole time. Um, definite air quotes there. But if she didn't know, right? Um, and then she sees that they're robots, she might have a, who have I been working for existential crisis moment, which is why, when she gets into a fight with Sylvie afterwards, she very quickly succumbs and says, basically, like, go ahead and kill me. Because everything that she maybe knew was possibly a lie. And Sylvie's like, no, I'm gonna, you're going to tell me everything you do know. So I, I would put my bet on she didn't know that they were robots, but she was maybe... Uh, unwillingly carrying out whatever the nefarious plan is, not knowing it was nefarious. She's a true believer, and she's in too deep. Maybe. Maybe the TVA was the friend yeah. we made along the way. Maybe Miss Minutes is the real mastermind here. I'm down. <sighs> I don't know. I think <laughs> I think Red Slayer is just bad. I think she's <laughs> just not good. Yeah, that's that's where I'm leaning, honestly. Yeah. I think she was in on it the whole time. Not the whole. Are y'all time, were just gonna let me say that and wait for? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, you think she's bad? Bad? Not bad. I think she's in on it. I think she's working for the Logie and she's doing whatever she needs to do to save her own skin. And okay. just because she had good intentions to begin with doesn't make her making these bad choices now not a bad person. And no, for the I, record, Pete, yeah. I'm gonna parse every opinion I have on the show with. I don't really know, and I'm just. Throwing spaghetti at the wall. Yeah. <laughs> what a waste of spaghetti. Yeah. We're waiting for the show to become sweaters. al dente. Oh, okay, yeah. We then get a mid credit scene. Loki awakens and asks if he's dead in hell. A voice-off camera tells him no, but you will be if you don't come with us. He sits up to find four various loci in a ruined cityscape. I will say that... I thought the Loki to the very right classic Loki was Ian McKellen, and it looked like Ian McKellen specifically from X-Men. <laughs> and I was like, what in the world is happening? But it's not. And now, Peach, we already had two Lokis, Loki. We have four no, more, one. potentially a fifth Loki. Yeah. I don't have a... I, Similar to Chris, um, we already talked about about half of what I wrote down here. I think that's the danger of having a a late game point in an assembly required episode is you just have to hope that (laughs) nobody touches the subject. Um, But basically what I want to say here is that, um, you know, we've talked a lot about how the variants being 
so completely different from the Loki we know. It just feels weird and we don't really know what to make of it. And now, you know, we've got, if Sylvia is a Loki, I'll play her along. We've got Lady Loki. We've got our Loki. We've got Kid Loki. We've got Old Loki. We've got Reptile Loki. And we've got Loki who has like a steampunk Mjolnir, which is really cool. But none of those things make any make anything less confusing. <laughs> just make they just make it more confusing. So I'm excited to see eventually how it is not confusing anymore. Um, also, though, one thing that I just wanted to say too is that we don't know the fate of all of those Lokis. Like we don't know why they are in that Pruniverse. We just know that they ended up there. Um, but if the theme of Loki taking that character morality turn of bad to good and that's why they're pruned. If we're going with that theme and that's true, uh, it's just something interesting to think about that, you know, they define a Loki as someone that's supposed to be a villain and so many of them turn out to try to be a hero. Like, it seems like a pretty large percentage of them actually want to be a hero if that's what's really going on. So it's just something that's interesting to think about more than anything. I just really hope that the Gator Loki talks. I, I want him to have like a really like frog Thor. Like I want him to have like a really like deep majestic voice. And they like, Oh, the wise alligator Loki. (laughs) (laughs) Hush, for the alligator speaketh. Yeah, like, and I want him to be really Shakespearean. Like, I don't know. I, that would be incredible. <laughs> I'm the two I'm most interested in are the boastful Loki because of Mjolnir, and the Gator Loki. I think Kid Loki feels like something that's kind of been in the works if they're introducing all these young Avengers characters. Um, classic Loki, sure. Old wise Loki in human form, whatever. Um. And I guess it's possible, too, that if the Tom Hiddleston Loki exists in uh, many timelines, maybe Kid Loki is just young Tom Hiddleston and classic Loki is just really old Tom Hiddleston. Maybe they are more close to the same Loki. Who knows? But confusing. (laughs) Am confused. I hurt myself in confusion. (laughs) I, I just love that we got the actual... 60s comic book costume mm-hmm. you know and i love that they're just doing that more and more now that we got the yes we got that with scarlet witch and vision in wandavision and you know it just anytime they can kind of embrace the original designs yeah. in a fun way like i obviously it. It wouldn't work for the whole thing but it's great to have i need it for a hawkeye at some point i don't need I don't wish that Hawkeye had been in his classic costume the entire MCU, but I just need to see Hawkeye in his classic costume at some point. In the I MCU. would not be shocked at all if it happens in the yeah. Hawkeye series. Yeah. Cause I feel like they'll definitely have him in the t-shirt and pants with the sunglasses. Yeah. From, from that comic. run. Yeah, and, and I think we've seen already seen a couple pictures of uh, Haley Steinfeld in the, in that. Hawkeye oh God, costume. I forgot about Haley Steinfeld. That's so cool. Right? Yeah. It's going to be good. (laughs) Well, I think that's going to do it for this incredibly confusing episode of Loki. Uh, We have no answers to anything. (laughs) 
so join us next week while we try to figure out what the hell is going on. So we gotta, we're not going to rate this one or anything gotta, like that? You need to hang on because I was going to get there, and you guys need to you, – you, interrupting only goes so far, okay? TVA. I'm still a host. I know what I'm doing. Okay. okay. <laughs> we were all scared. We thought we were branching off the timeline there. <laughs> so where do you guys think this is going to go next? Chris, we'll start with you. Shrug? Interesting. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, um, the I guess yeah. I'll, I'll, the only thing I know is that Gator Loki is the greatest MCU character of all time, always. Uh, uh, Peaches, what do you think? Man, I don't know either. I like I just everybody just imagine me like vaguely gesturing to nothing in particular like in my John room. That John Travolta whatever. from Pulp Fiction. Yes, pretend <laughs> oh. I'm like. <laughs> It, whatever you think I look like, which you could know if you were in the Discord because there's a picture of the four of us, but whatever you think I look like, just imagine me John Travolting in a room. That's that's what I think is going to happen next week. See, I was picturing that weird taxidermied cat thing that's like... Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Robbie, what do, you, what do you got? I just have to say that I loved looking at these notes because I went in thinking, oh, God, I have no thoughts. I have no guesses. I have no theories. They're going to have all these great insights and I'm just going to be sitting here in the dark. Instead, I see everyone's note. I see literal shrug emoji from Soundlord. Like, okay. <laughs> I I belong here. This feels okay now. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. I'm done guessing where the show is going and that's not a criticism. I'm enjoying being in the dark. Um, I got nothing. My hope is that we get satisfying answers. I kind of expect that we will get satisfying answers, but I'm just along for the really confusing, weird. I just thought of something ride. real quick before what? we before we move to Eduardo. They still have not resolved the bombs from episode two. Okay, I actually think they have. I'm not. As with everything, I am not going to cling to this. But I think the bombs were just meant to be a distraction that the Minutemen went and went out and reset. And then oh, and they were, and I think that's it. Oh, there weren't any oh, like yes. real con. It was just a distraction. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I, okay. That's what I think. I'm not, yeah. okay. I'm not 100% positive. But no, I, think, I, can, I can be okay with that. And so you might say that that was a really dramatic ending to basically not be visited again. And I wouldn't say you're wrong, but I think that, that's, I think that was already settled. Sure. Okay, yeah. Because maybe it was a, a diversion for I them to get to. I think it was entirely a diversion to get, yeah, to, get to the, the timekeepers. And then Ravona was there and they had to flee instead. Okay, that okay, fine. Yes. Uh, it's going to come a shock as to no one that I'm going to say I have no idea what's happening. Uh, <laughs> my segue was going to be really sweet before I was rudely interrupted. Uh, but no, none of us know anything about what's going on we're all just in the dark as you are so hopefully next week we get a little uh we get a little we get a couple answers to some of these questions that we've been having we're starting to really reach the end of this and this is i imagine next week we get a really big reveal and then the last episode will be answers mm-hmm. to a lot of the questions that we've been having mm-hmm. there's a chance that happens next episode too i don't know I'm, but these next two episodes are going to be really like information heavy but ratings Pete, we're going to start with you what are you going to rate this episode yeah, and you know what? Uh, it's nice having a show that I will be sad when it's over again. So 
Uh Thanks, Loki. This episode in particular, I decided was my favorite of the four. They've all been great, but this one just hit really well, uh, basically all fronts. So I gave it nine pneumatic time figures out of ten. Eduardo? I gave it nine, uh, the artist formerly known as Loki out of ten. <laughs> Robbie? This, this is very close. I think this is close to being my favorite, one of my favorite possibly my favorite Marvel episode of any of the Marvel series. Um, so I'm giving it nine great moments with Mr. Timekeeper out of 10. <laughs> Sound, Sound Lord. And I naturally am giving it nine Loki Gators out of 10. Awesome. I want you guys to know that um, IGN reviewed this and gave it a five. What? Out, out of, of five? Ten? Out of 10. They thought Com- they thought it was not a good episode. This is worse than when they gave an eight point eight to Twilight Princess. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> much what worse. Did they, what did they rate the other? I, don't, I stopped listening after I saw that. I was like, that is know. bogus. Uh, who didn't like this things. episode? I don't know a single person who didn't like this episode. Yeah. I I will say I am married to someone that didn't like this episode. I know one married person. <laughs> But I think I think there's a good chance the person I'm married to will change her mind once the show is finished. I think that's going to close it out for us. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can do so over at patreon.com slash assembly required. Huge shout out to our Avengers level patrons, Brian and Riley. If you want to email the show, email us any of your predictions, thoughts, what you think is happening. If you want to just tell us that you also have no idea what's going on, you can do so. Assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com. If you want to uh, follow the show on Twitter, we are at assemblycast. You can follow all of us, all of us individually. GatorSax2010 for Chris, D underscore Peaches for Peaches, PhilCrid3 for Robbie, ABCD Eduardo1 for myself. You can do it for myself, for Robbie, for Chris, for Peaches. We love your 3,000. Bye, everybody. Excelsior. Bubbly, bubbly. Impressive. If the sun should tumble from the sky, if the sea should suddenly run dry, if you Okay, Robbie, I need I need to make you mad. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to share with you. Oh, it didn't have to be on the show, it just needs to be on the record. As long as it's on the record, okay. then that's what the after the credits are for, baby. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Although I could I could tie this into the show, but I think I'd rather just tell you now. Okay. Uh, without trying to force it. So, I'm just going to read you one sentence from this YouTube video. Okay. Uh, which is a speculation video about Breath of the Wild 2. Oh no. And I quote, I just typed it out verbatim. So as a scholar who received his degree in music, I can say with certainty that time travel will play a part in the sequel story. (laughs) With certainty. I have a list of things to unpack from that sentence. (laughs) So... Okay, is the scholar 
is the certain scholar. Okay, so hold on. Hold on. Okay. That's that's the YouTube okay. narrator, man. The YouTube narrator is the scholar. Yes. So, okay. He's not certain about another scholar. He is a scholar who is certain. Yes. Because okay. he's a music scholar, he is certain about this. Got it. You can understand that maybe I thought he was talking about Cass or something. Yeah. Um, okay. What does... So, uh, I have two I, thoughts on what I'm about to say, which is... Okay. Yeah, I want to hear everything you have to say first. Okay. If he's a musical scholar, why does that mean he's an expert in whether or not something has to do with time travel? Uh, time signatures, Robbie. I, it's I will in now, the name. I will now read you the very next sentence that he says. Is it also painful? Okay. The composers who worked <laughs> The composers who worked on this piece deliberately placed this variation of the Song of Time. No, it's the, a trap! <laughs> because the theme of this game's going to revolve around time travel. But what about the theory that the whole game's in a cave? Okay. So that thing that a lot of us do, and we should not necessarily, where we go ahead and find symbolism that wasn't even necessarily meant by the artist, Uh he's doing that, but with trailers? Yes. Um, Okay. Okay, because, and I I will now explain to you that the name of this video was I Found the Song of Time. And his argument is I found it too. It was in the ocarina at the bottom of the moat. What he did was he took the opening notes of the trailer. The ba 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 and reversed it. And it sounds a little bit like almost the song of time. <laughs> and I will now read you one more sentence that I wrote. It's not the same first notes to start off the song of time. But we know that it wouldn't be a possibility since Nintendo already used that in Majora's Mask with the inverted Song of Time. And obviously no Zelda game has ever had the same song twice. Correct. I, I would. I think ever since Ballad of the Goddess, people are just like this hunting is, for... This is like... I will play like you now. yoga level stretching. <laughs> All right. Here we go. He plays Notice. it on the piano, I'm sure and then he reverses it. Everyone agrees that the beginning theme meets the standards of great soda music, but there is much more to it. Okay, let's hear the first four notes of the sequel's theme. We have the notes E, C, D, and A. Wait, that was the, All right. was the wild. Now let's theme, play it in it? reverse. I mean, it does sound a little bit like the song of time, but. But then he just goes off the rails. Like, yeah, then he goes, I, because I have a music degree, I guarantee you this game is about time travel because these four notes are almost like the Song of Time. This was the deliberate choice by the composers. Now, I have heard other people say t- it's about time travel because yeah. it looks like Link is different in different sections. People don't change clothes. Well, his hair or grow grows. facial hair yeah, or his grow hair head grows hair. And some other stuff. Well, here's the thing, though, is that he has hair that long too in the first game. If you wear the ancient armor, he just has his hair up mm-hmm. for most of the game. I know yeah, I don't so really much. grow head hair, but other people grow head hair at an alarming rate sometimes. Um, wow, that hurt. So, but here's my other thing: <laughs> since he's a music scholar, can we have him on this episode to explain Nexus events? Maybe yeah, get him maybe, a, maybe we should go back here. and reverse the music that plays in that scene and see if it it's like the Avengers theme, and that is proof that Loki is going to become an Avenger. Whoa! 
I was listening to a podcast. It started out really reasonable. Like I was enjoying listening to it because they were just really reasonable with their Breath of the Wild 2 speculation. And then just it felt like out of nowhere they started doing the same thing where it was just, well, obviously, since this is really a sequel to Skyward Sword, wait, when did we, when did we establish that? Isn't that basically what happened with WandaVision? The second yes. this guy showed up, they're like, well, obviously, this is them connecting the Marvel Universe and the X-Men Universe. So right. now we're going to have multiple universes. Like, this is right. all like obvious to thing. anyone who knows the comics. It's the exact same thing. I think that was a little less wild, but also still, yes, it's the exact same thing. And I mean, <laughs> just a little less wild. Yeah. 